Hey, this is Pastor Greg Evans from Calvary Assembly of God. I want to thank you for joining us today on our podcast. I pray that God will speak to your heart, that he will challenge you, and that you will be encouraged and that you will overcome by God's word and the word of your testimony. God bless you. Enjoy the service. We've been preaching a series on unpopular opinions, and uh, I preached a couple of weeks ago, and ministered the word on the love of God and how God's love is so much different than the love of this world, amen? And uh, we preached that and I believe God began to just pour his love in us or we, he prepared us to receive his love in a fresh way. Last week we had a powerful outpouring of the love and power of God and I believe there's just more of that to come. I talked about the story of Hosea and how God will meet us where we are no matter who we are or where we've been. And then two weeks ago, uh, Pastor Trevor taught us powerfully on the grave we crave, and he said this, he said, what we crave will become our grave. If we are craving anything other than the word of God, the will of God, the power of God in our life, it will be the very thing that destroys us if it is not in alignment with the word of God and the will of God, and he said, do not, run with the rabble, remember, thank you. Do not run with the rabble, and that we need a prophetic, this is what I wrote in my notes, and I thought it so powerful, I wanted to repeat it again. It, we need to be a prophetic voice in a polarized world. We need to be a prophetic voice in a polarized world. The word of God will speak through you. If you believe that, say amen. But you've got to be willing to be that voice. You've got to be willing to let God raise up in your spirit and speak boldly the very word and truth and love of God. And as we do that, I believe that we will prepare our hearts to truly do what God wants to say today as we start this new series, He is Worthy. And that is this, we must contend for the faith. Would somebody say contend for the faith? Say it out loud. Contend for the faith. I believe God wants us as a church in this hour. He is pouring out his spirit. He is speaking to hearts. He is raising up this prophetic voice. But it is your job and my job to take a step in faith beyond our comfort zone, beyond what we have been used to, and begin to fight for, contend for the faith that he has called us into. How many are thankful for the saving grace of God? Would you say amen? If God saved you and set you free and has healed you and met you, would you raise your hand as a praise offering right now to God? Come on, it is time to not just receive this faith, but to live this faith, to contend for this faith. It is a fight that we must fight on a daily basis. If you believe that, say amen. The world says this, the world says, if it feels good, do it. The world says if it feels good, just enjoy it. It doesn't matter. But this is what God says. God says live holy. Everybody say holy. Because God is holy. Amen? And that's that's his word. Live holy because he is holy. He also says this. He says shun the very appearance of evil. I'm talking to a church that I know loves Jesus. I'm talking to a body of believers today. You're online, you're in person, wherever you are. I'm talking to a body of believers that I know loves God with all of your heart. But I have some some concern today in the body of Christ in general, and I pray it does not affect us specifically, but it will if we're not cautious to contend for the faith, and that is this, that we try to tiptoe so close to the line of secularism and worldliness that we will, if not, cautious slip over into a place where we are indistinguishable indistinguishable between the world and the church. Shun the appearance of evil. The way to do that is to kill the flesh. Now, I'm not talking about a literal killing. I'm talking about dying to the things of this world and living to the spirit of God. Don't you know, know you not, the Bible says, that you are the temple of the Holy Ghost? Come on. If you're a temple of the Holy Ghost, then there's some stuff that doesn't belong there, that can't live there, that we should not engage in. It might be a conversation. It might be gossip. It might be a bad attitude. Come on now. Might be watching something on television 
or a movie that you want to go see. It could be a lot of things that may in itself may or may not be sin, but if we're not cautious, we will allow junk and garbage in. And you know the old saying, garbage in, garbage out. God's calling his church to holiness. I'm gonna tell you something, we're craving revival, we're desirous for a move of God, but if you want a move of God, if you want revival in your home, how many want revival in your home, come on. If you want revival in your marriage, if you want revival in your children, if you want revival in your church, if you want revival in the nation, then friend, I need you to know something, we must live holy, we must separate ourselves out from the things of the world and begin to crave the things of God. Can I get a witness in this room this morning? It's not popular to live countercultural, but it is powerful to live countercultural. Contend for the faith. Your children need you to contend for the faith. Well, somebody should have said amen besides one person. I said, Your children need you to contend for the faith. Your lost neighbors, your lost co workers, your lost loved ones, they need you to contend for the faith. The marginalized in this world that we live in, the helpless, the ones that are being sex trafficked even now in this nation and around the world, those that are in addiction, those that are bound up by sin and evil, they need you and I, the church, the body of Christ, the people of God to contend for the faith. Pastor, what do you mean? I mean fight. I mean, do whatever it takes so that one more soul will know Jesus. I mean, do whatever it takes to draw closer to God than you've ever been before. I mean, do whatever you have to do to pray one more time, to read the word of God one more time, to step out in faith one more time, to allow that, that pro prophetic voice to rise up in you one more time. It's time to contend for the faith. Our text this morning is gonna be Jude the entire book of Jude we're gonna preach on this morning. It's a whole 25 verses. It's the book right before Revelation. If you don't know where it's at, you'll have a hard time finding it if you're trying to flip through like this to find it because it's probably only about one or two pages in your Bible. Jude. In a post-COVID world where faithful Christians stopped going to church, and some never started back, we need to contend for the faith. In a world where there's a false narrative, I'm gonna say that again, a false narrative of being politically and socially correct is said to be more important and greater than being biblically right and holy we need to contend for the faith. I'm about to preach the word of God in here. In a world where people, young and old alike, are seeking for truth, and they need deliverance, and they need a miracle, and they need healing, and they need right relationships, and they need holy relationships, and godly wisdom, you and I must contend for the faith. Can I get a witness? In a world that is desperately in need of salvation and the power of the Holy Spirit, you and I need to contend for the faith. There's a world that's dying and going to hell today. There's a world that is looking for answers and they're looking in all the wrong places. There's a world that says, well, if I can just find one person who will love me back, I'll go with that person. But they only find out that that love is shallow like the last person, and they end up in a wrong relationship. They want love. They want truth. They want relationship, but they're looking in the wrong places, and you and I need to contend for the faith. Church, I'm talking to the body of Christ today, and there is a need, a desperate need in the world we're living in. The same world that God is pouring out his spirit upon needs a church that will rise up not just to feel good in a great service, but to begin to fight for the faith every single day, to pray, to read his word, to study, to hear his voice, and to be his voice in a lost and dying world. It's time to contend for the faith. In a world where we see young people flocking to university chapel services to meet with God for hours and days, and now going on weeks, it's time for the church to begin to contend for the faith. Yeah. 
Some of you have some young people in your family, some children, some elementary students, some, some young ones in the nursery, some in our youth ministry. You have some family members, some nieces and nephews and cousins and relatives. They're young, they're young adults. They're, they're serving God or they're not serving God. But I'm telling you, this world is beating them at every turn. The world is attacking them at every turn. There's lies from hell. There's media. There's all kinds of social stuff going on that's calling them their way, beckoning them to come over here, come over here, do this, do that, do anything that is against God. If it feels good, do it. And it's time for the church to rise up in the power of the Holy Ghost and contend, fight, 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 fight for the faith that God has given given us. Almost every one of you raised your hands a few minutes ago when I asked if God has saved you and set you free. But friend, the battle's not over just because you got saved. The battle has just begun. The fight is before us and it's time to rise up and fight this fight of faith. Everybody shout contend for the faith. I'm thankful. Thankful for my parents, they celebrated their 55th wedding anniversary yesterday. I'm thankful. And actually Donna and Gary celebrated their 51st wedding anniversary as well. Hey, those are some generational blessings that we need to claim. I'm thankful for parents that contended for the faith. My parents aren't perfect, they're pretty close. Mom mostly, but they're both pretty close. Just kidding. I always, when I say stuff like that, people always come up to me afterwards and say, Pastor, you shouldn't say that stuff. But they know I'm joking and they still love me. I'm not saying I should say it or not. I probably shouldn't, but it's still fun. I do love them. And I'm thankful that they fought this fight of faith. Fight of faith. But not just my parents, their parents before them. They contended for the faith. I'm thankful for generations before them. My, I don't even know the exact number, but probably my great-great-grandfather, or it, my, maybe my great, was saved as a product of the, of the Welch revival back in the late 1800s, early 1900s. I'm thankful that they didn't just give their life to Christ and then just slip back into some sort of lifestyle that was just mundane and, and going through the motions. But they said, we've got to fight this fight. We've got to do it for our children. We've got to do it for our grandchildren. We've got to do it for generations to come until Jesus returns. We've got to fight this fight of faith. We've got to contend for the faith. I'm thankful not just for my parents, but for generations who have gone before us. I'm thankful for pastors who started churches like Calvary years ago and said, we're going to do whatever it takes so that one more soul can know Jesus, so that one more life can be met by the power of God. I had the privilege on Thursday of praying with all of the people coming through. I don't even know how many cars, 100 plus cars coming through to our Calvary Cares food ministry. When I'm available, I try to go out and just walk the line. And I just, I don't, listen, I don't go up to them and say, oh, I have a word from the Lord from, for you or, or anything like that. I just look at them, I say, I'm so thankful you're here today. What a joy it is for us to be able to serve you and your family. How are you? And if they're open to that conversation, I'll say, hey, I'm the pastor. Is there anything I can pray with you about today? I don't yank them out of their car and spit on them and pray over them and, and have Holy Ghost meetings out there. If God wants to do that, I'm open to it. But that's not what I'm looking for. I just want to meet them. I want you to know something. Without fail, out of 100 plus cars, there may be three that are like, no, I'm good. I'm good. But everyone else says, oh, pastor, I would love prayer. I don't even take them by the hand. I don't, I don't ever want to offend or approach anyone in that way. It's just what God's put on my heart. There are times if they reach out or if they want to, I'll do it. But otherwise, I just stand there, sometimes with my hands in my pocket. I want to tell you something. Probably 70 to 80% of those people, when I start praying for them, tears swell up in their eyes and just start rolling down their face. And they're open to whatever God wants to do in that moment. I prayed with them two weeks ago, many of the same people when they were here. And then on Thursday, as they're coming by, one by one, I'm praying with them, I'm praying with them, I'm praying with them. And this young gentleman, I don't know, maybe in his early 30s, he looked at me with tears in his eyes. He said, wait, pastor, before you pray, can I tell you something? I said, sure. He said, you prayed two weeks ago for me that I'd get a job. I want you to know I got a job. It is a really good job. And I start next week. I want you to know that God answered your prayer. And I said, no, God answered our prayer. We agreed together, it's done. We're gonna believe it's a good job and that it goes well. 
I can't make this stuff up. About three cars later or four maybe, I, I go up to pray with somebody and say, oh, pastor, you prayed with me two weeks ago. You prayed that God would give me a job and I want you to know something. God gave me a job this week and I start next week and it's so good. I'm so thankful that God answered prayer and I rejoiced with them and I praised God with them. I went down a few more cars, I don't know, another 15, 20 minutes later, I, I'm talking to somebody and they say, did you know that you prayed with me two weeks ago? Do you remember that? I said, I, I remember your face. I said, I do, and I remember talking. I, I don't remember the specifics of the prayer. And they said, you prayed that God would give me a job. And God gave me a job. And it's a really good job, Pastor. I just need you to understand something. There's lots of ways to contend for the faith, but you have to do it. You gotta get out there and just say, listen, God hears and answers prayer. Can I pray with you? Can you believe with me that God is faithful to hear us when we cry and answer and respond according to his will? It's time for the church to rise up and to not be ashamed, to not be afraid, to not back down, but to say, look, I have a prophetic voice. I have the spirit of God in me and he can do things I could never do. He has a way that is above our ways. And if you'll believe with me by faith, he will use you to be that voice in the wilderness crying out, prepare the way of the Lord. Two other people on Thursday, I began to pray with them. Both of these particular people, when I, because I always ask the question, is there anything specific? Both of these people just said, no, just pray. Oftentimes that's, the conviction of God's spirit upon them. They don't have something specific. They just know they need God. And as I just began to pray a general prayer over them, both of these people, along with many others, but these two specifically, tears just swelled up in their eyes and they just began to cry as I was praying a prayer. The Holy Spirit came on me over both of these particular two. And I looked at them and I said, do you know Jesus? Are you serving him? And they said, no. And I said, would you like to? And I want to testify today that two people on Thursday gave their life to Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. They prayed the sinner's prayer. I don't know if they're here today. I invited everyone to be here today, but I want you to know something, friend. It's time that the church rises up and contends for this faith. If you've truly meant it that God has saved you and set you free, then it's worth fighting for. It's time and it's worth fighting for. It's time to stand up and fight, fight fight. To agonize is what the word contend means. It means to strive, to struggle, to fight for something, to not give up. Don't give up on your backslidden children. Don't give up on your loved ones. Don't give up on those that have walked away from their faith or maybe have never given their heart to Christ. Don't give up on them. Friend, I need you to know something. It's worth the fight. Their soul is worth the fight. Your children are worth it. Your loved ones are worth it. Your coworkers are worth it. Your neighbors are worth it. Don't give up fighting for this fight of faith. Contending means this, to fight while standing on the very thing being assaulted. Our faith is being attacked. Did you hear me? Our faith, your faith is being attacked. The media is telling us left and right, backwards and forwards, up and down. I'm gonna tell you something, and I'm not here to scare you today. I don't even have this in my notes. I didn't plan on saying all of this, but I need you to know something. The media and the world that we live in, it is only a matter of time. Now, Jesus is coming back. So this is not a fearful message. This is not a, a word of, of discouragement. It's a word of encouragement, but we've got to go through the truth to get there. It is only a matter of time if the Lord tarries before it will be illegal to preach this undivided word of truth. It's, it's, only, it's only a matter of time. Now, I'm not putting a time limit on it. I don't know if it's gonna be, I don't know if it's gonna be a month from now, 10 years from now, I don't know, but it's coming. All you gotta do is watch the news. All you gotta do is watch them mock and ridicule revival that's happening at Asbury College and say, I wonder if this is real. I wonder if those, I, I bet they go out and just go right back to normal. You, all you gotta do is watch the media coverage. All you gotta do is watch the laws being written. Have you seen the spiritual attack against the overturning of Roe v. Wade? Have you watched the media and the politicians and the, even just society just cringe with evil faces 
when we talk about ending the murder of millions and millions of babies, have you watched it? Oh, well, we have the right to choose. I didn't come up here today to be political, but this is not a political matter, this is a spiritual matter. And every life matters to God, whether it's in the womb or out of the womb. But the moment of conception, there is life in the womb. And I need you to know something. It doesn't matter. I'm not talking to anybody today. If you've ever had an abortion, if you're contemplating an abortion, listen, I'm not here. With a, I'm not mad at you. Nobody hates you. God's not mad at you. God's grace is sufficient for you. But if we don't stand up and tell the truth, then the truth will not be known. But if we will, I want you to know the truth will set people free and there's freedom in Jesus Christ and that life matters and it's time for the church to rise up and contend for the faith and just because your coworker believes in abortion doesn't mean that you shouldn't take a stand. I'm not talking about having an argument, a public argument, but take a stand for the right to life in this nation, a right to life. Every child, every life matters to God. It's time to stand on the very thing that's being assaulted. Our faith, it means standing against everyone who will try to undermine our faith. Oh, well, pastor, I'm a non-confrontational person. Believe it or not, as bold as I can be on this platform, I'm a non-confrontational person. I don't like conflict. I don't even like to send my food back at the restaurant when it doesn't taste good. I don't like conflict. I don't. People say, I'm with other people, they'll be like, send it back. I'm like, no, I'll just eat it. I just don't like sending it back. I'm just, I don't like conflict at any level if I can avoid it. But you let a little bit of righteous indignation rise up in me and I'm gonna take a stand for what's right. Food could matter less to me, but, well, you can't prove that by looking, but it's true. <laughs> I don't care. But I'll tell you what I care about. I care about somebody taking my God, whom I love and who created all that is, and putting him down, or saying that his church doesn't matter, or we're just weak, or, or that life doesn't matter, or that anything goes, or that anything that stands against this word is okay. I need you to know something. I won't stand for it, and I don't like conflict, but I'll rise up and take a stand and declare the word of truth. I once, as a young man, before I was even married, I was at a restaurant after lunch. I may have shared this before, after church on a Sunday, and there were some people at a table over near me who we're just using God's name in vain up and down and in and out. Our meal hadn't come yet. And I mean, they were using all kinds of language and it was horrendous. I mean, it was loud. And I don't like to bother people too much. But you know, sometimes you just have too much. So when my food came, I just said, it's time to pray. And I, I got a voice now. And I use it when I need to. Sometimes when I don't need to. I said, Father God, in the mighty name of Jesus, I thank you for the food that you have provided. And I praise you, God, that you provide all that we have need of. We love you, God. We treasure you. We exalt you. I praised him as loud as I could. In Jesus' name, amen. I didn't hear another peep out of those people for the whole time they sat there. I mean that. It's time to contend for the faith. Dr. J. Vernon McGee is deceased now, but a great Bible teacher talking about this little book of Jude said, it affords us a fitting introduction to the book of Revelation because Revelation tells us about the very end of time on earth and eternity in heaven. And we are in the apostasy of which Jude foretold, Dr. McGee says. It is a question now of how much worse it can become before genuine believers are taken out by the rapture. Now, Dr. McGee probably wrote this commentary probably more than 20 to 30 years ago. He's been gone for a long time. I don't even know how long. But if it was bad then, it's only worse now. This little book of Jude, and I'm not gonna have time to get it all out today because I'm not even halfway through my introduction yet. <laughs> so this may have just become a two-part series or a two-part sermon. But I need you to know something. This world's getting worse and worse. And it's time for the church of the living God to rise up and fight. To take a stand like we've never stood before. To proclaim a proclamation like we've never proclaimed before. To have a voice that can be, listen, I'm not talking about, I'm not talking 
about violence. I'm not talking about being uh, rude. I'm talking about love. I'm talking about the love of God. That I, It's like disciplining my children. I love them so much that I'm willing to tell them when they do it wrong. I love them so much that I'm willing to restrict them if they keep doing it wrong. I love them so much that if the talking to didn't work and the restriction didn't work, that a belt might be next. Now my kids are all older and grown and they can't arrest me anymore. I don't have to spank them anymore. But I'll tell you one thing right now, and I'm not here to preach for or against corporal punishment. I'm just trying to tell you something. I love my kids enough to discipline my kids in love. And there is a philosophy in our world. I'm not, uh, this is not a parenting sermon. I'm just using it as an analogy. But there is, a, there is a philosophy that we can't discipline our children anymore. Let them make decisions. They, they need to learn to make decisions. But if they're never told what the truth is, and they're never corrected for doing the wrong, they won't know to do the right. Hello? But I, I, I fear... Help me, Jesus. I fear that the discipline issues in our society have crept into the church because what I see happening across the nation and around the world in people that are Christian, that love Jesus, is turning a blind eye to sin. We're not contending for the faith on many case, on many levels. I'm not talking about you. I'm just talking about generally. It may be you. It may be me. I'm asking the Holy Spirit to show us, to convict us. But I believe sometimes we are turning a blind eye to sin and to evil and to things that are wrong and against the word of God because we don't want conflict. We just will let them just learn. Just, you know, the Holy Spirit will, but the Holy Spirit will convict them, but they need someone who is filled with the Spirit to be a word of confirmation to them and declare the word of God over them and to them so that they're trained and taught what is right, what is holy. I'm not talking about legalistic things. I'm talking about sin. If we we, it, help me, Jesus. If we, wa- if we sit around watching all kinds of fornication going on on the TV screen and all kinds of adultery going, and we praise it, then guess what our children are going to do? Guess what new believers are going to do? They're going to say, well, if it's okay to watch it and be entertained by it, then it's going to be okay to just go ahead and do it. It's a slippery slope. Whatever you excuse, your children will abuse. Oh, pastor, I, don't, I like it when you preach, but not like this. Why do you want to say this kind of stuff? Because he's worthy. He's worthy. He's worthy of preaching this word undivided. No compromise. He's worthy. He's worthy. Everybody say he's worthy. So Jude writes this letter. It was going to be written for one purpose. And then it's written for a different purpose. The author, Jude, was going to encourage the believers in their salvation. I can tell you so often, I start messages off, I just, and sometimes I do, I preach just encouraging words that God gives me. But so often I sit down to start writing a message of encouragement, and God says, oh, but there's a little bit of correction that has to take place. (laughs) There's something you got to say here. It's kind of like this message. I wrote it saying, I'm going to contagious, we're going to be an army of people that fight for the faith. But God said, we can't fight for something that we don't believe in. We can't fight for something that we're not willing to take a stand for. Come on. Contending and standing on the very thing that's being assaulted. It's our faith. So Jude begins to write this letter to encourage believers in verse 3. You can read it for yourself. But then he fills this need that it's so important to write against those who are denying the truth and then to motivate believers in their faith to take a stand for the truth. The question to us today and in this sermon that is now two weeks long is this. Are you, is the church, contending or compromising? Are we contending or are we compromising? 
Listen, please don't leave this building today in a few minutes and say, well, pastor, really, he gave us one today now. He beat us up. He, he gave us a black. No, I didn't do anything. I'm, pre- I'm just releasing a word that God has put in my spirit because I'm, listen to me, church. Listen to me. Revival is powerful, but it cost us something. Last week was the beginning of, I believe, what, something that God is doing in his church around the world, but it's gonna require something of us. We can't just get by and skate by for, wait, let's hope we get another one of those services in a month or so. It will not work that way. You can't have another service like that if you're not willing to hear the word of God and begin to live the word of God. You cannot have revival. We cannot have revival if we're not willing to die to this flesh and begin to fight and contend for the faith to stand on the very thing that's being assaulted by the world around us and even sometimes within the church. It's time to fight. This letter that Jude writes is so applicable to you and to me. Within the church, there are those that teach error, and it's time to stand against it. I'm not talking about Calvary, but if it happens here, we need to stand against it. I won't stand for heresy. And listen, by the way, help me, Jesus. Opinion is not necessarily truth. Hello? Just because somebody strongly wants to walk up and tell you, well, you know, the Bible says, well, show me. (laughs) Well, you know it, I interpret it this way. That's okay, work out your own salvation, but don't teach something that's not scriptural. I'll call it out. And politics, I'm not talking about righteousness. There may be a fine line, but there is a line. Politics has little to do with our faith that I'm talking about fighting for. So don't come in here trying to tell me that if you voted one way, then then that person can't be a Christian. I'm not here to have that debate. I'll tell you one thing. If you don't stand up for truth and life and righteousness, then you need to check your heart. Politics aside, here's what I believe, friend. I believe Jesus is about to come. And I believe what he's gonna do just before his return is he's gonna pour out his spirit on the church and in the world like we've never experienced before, like we've never even read about before. It's gonna be the greatest outpouring of the spirit of God that the world has ever known or seen. But he's gonna do it in and through a church that is sold out, that is willing to fight that is willing to pray, can I get a witness, that is willing to study the word and live the word and preach the word, that is willing to walk this walk and to live it day in and day out on Monday just like they did on Sunday, on Friday and Saturday just like they preached about and shouted about in church on Sunday. There was error being taught in the church that Jude addresses. And there were attacks from without side of the church that he addresses. And it's time for the church to rise up and to contend for the faith. Now God's word is full of warnings against worldly and evil influences. First John chapter two, it'll be on the screen, verse 15 through 17, it says, for the world offers only a craving for physical pleasure, a craving for everything we see, And pride is in our achievements and our possessions. These are not from the Father, but are from the world. And this world is fading away, along with everything that people crave. But anyone who does what pleases God will live forever. Somebody ought to get excited about that. Anyone who does what pleases God will live forever. Do not love this world nor the things it offers you. For when you love the world, you do not have the love of the Father in you. Wow, it's quiet now. Now that's not the word from Greg, that is a word from God. You cannot love the things of the world and partake of the things of the world and then show up on Sunday and ask God to bless your finances. (laughs) And ask God to heal your marriage. 
And ask God to do just about anything. Now listen, you can ask God to save you and set you free and he'll hear that and he'll hear every request. But I want you to know something. It is time for the church to fall in love with God again. It is time for you and I to not just say we love God, but to show that we love God with our worship, our praise, our adoration, our sold out hearts, our witness to others around us. It is time to love God by the way we live and not just by what we say. Jesus gives us so many warnings in his word. In Matthew chapter seven, verse 15, he says, watch out for false prophets. In Matthew 24, it says, many will turn away from the faith in the end times. Again, in chapter 24 of Matthew, it says, deceivers of the elect of God's chosen will rise up and deceive many. Peter warns us in 2 Peter 2, 1, it says they will introduce heresies. In other words, they will sneak in false truth. Help us, God. Paul warns us in, in uh, Galatians chapter 2, false Christians will sneak in to spy on us and make us slaves again to sin. Am I preaching in here? Is, is there anyone with me this morning? What time is it? It must be, your stomachs must be growling. Paul says that. False Christians will sneak in to spy on us. That sounds like a conspiracy theory almost. And make us a slave again to sin. Don't tell me people can't backslide. Paul says it right there. He, there are those that will come in to try to make you a slave again to sin. If you've given your life to Christ, maybe recently, Maybe, maybe weeks ago, maybe months ago, maybe years ago. You better be on guard all the time. Lest the enemy of our soul sneaks in and makes you a slave again to the sin. Well, I prayed the sinner's prayer and I am covered by the blood. Well, hallelujah. But I want you to know something. If you start backsliding, if you start walking back away from the things, the holiness that God has called you to and taught you through his word, and you start living like the world, acting like the world, talking like the world, you'll start living with the world and you'll start doing the things the world does. And I want you to know sin and Christ have nothing to do with each other. We need Jesus, and if you love Jesus, it will keep you in a path of holiness. I didn't say it'll make you perfect, but it'll cause you such a, such a passion in your heart to strive for it that you'll go hard after God every single day when you get out of bed. And it becomes harder and harder to give in to sin and temptation when you love Jesus. It does. John warns us in 1 John, Chapter four says, do not believe everyone who claims to speak by my spirit. You must test them to see if the spirit they have comes from God, for there are many false prophets in the world. What were some of the evil things that Jude's talking about here? I'm, I'm laying the foundation for us, but I need you to catch this. In Jude, verses one through verse 25, he talks about those among us who are godless men. They change the truth of Christ and they changed the apostles' teaching. It sounds like the message that I hear in the church today of prosperity and free grace. If it feels good, do it. God's grace, it'll cover it. Well, it will, but you have to repent of it. <laughs> and if you repent of it, you have to stop doing it. Hello? That's what Jude's addressing here. He's also talking about immorality, using God's grace to live as they please. He says it. It talks about those that are secretive, same as the other warnings throughout the New Testament, secretive people in the church. They're not always noticeable, but they will deny Jesus Christ and his sovereignty in private. He talks about dreamers, people who are living immoral lives, and polluting their own body. Oh, but they'll come to church and wave their hands and praise the Lord. But then they'll dream more about making money than winning souls. Hello? They'll dream more about fulfilling their own wants than obeying the will of God. 
He talks about those who reject authority and slander. Can I stop right there and preach for a second? God sets up the authority in his church, not you. Not me, God. And I appreciated Pastor Trevor's comments two weeks ago. I didn't tell him to say them, I didn't ask him to say them. But I want you to know something, friend. Pastors aren't perfect. Church leaders aren't perfect. But God is the one who has designed the church. Pastor Trevor walked off this platform and someone approached him with a comment about authority in the church. I need you to know something right now. God sets up authority and I don't always get it right. But I respect authority that God's put over me. I honor authority that God's put over me. And I want revival so much in my heart that I will continue to honor that authority and I will continue to thank God for placing the word of God in my life through men and people over me who have served him and have fought the fight and have gone before me to pave a path that I can walk in this faith and that I can fight for this faith and I won't argue with them and if I don't agree with them, I'll either go to them in love or I will just sit by until God does whatever God needs to do. But it is time for the church to recognize and realize that authority comes from God and if we want revival, we'll stop doing this all the time time and we'll start doing this all the time come on we'll stop going to each other and we'll go straight to the throne room of heaven oh but pastor I've been praying about it and nothing seems to be changing well just keep praying because God is faithful and if he needs to do it he'll do it and if he don't then we need to hush and let God do whatever God wants to do oh it's quiet it's either truth or it's not but God's authority is God's authority and and Jude addresses the rejection of God's authority in the church. He addresses those that are abusive and that follow their own evil desires. And they're boastful and they're flatterers and they're scoffers and they are dividers. And those that are ungodly and that do not possess the spirit of God. Oh, pastor, you're really laying it on us today. I want you to know something. I'm just preaching what God's given me because I need you to hear me today. I'm so hungry for a fresh move of the Spirit of God in my life, not just on a Sunday morning once in a while, but so much so that he, he wakes my family up in the morning and he puts us to bed at night full of the Holy Spirit, full of God, more of him, more of him, more of him, and less of me. Can I get a witness in this room? I, I want him so much. I want repeats of last week and greater things still to come that I'm willing to preach the truth and willing to humble myself and say, God, do it however you want to do it, whenever you want to do it, wherever you want to do it, through whomever you want to do it, but don't pass me by. Don't pass me by. I want it. I'm desperate for it, and I'll do whatever it takes. It's time for the church to arise and fight this fight of faith, to not cower down, to not back down, and do not turn a blind eye, but rise up in love and rise up in faith and rise up in the Spirit of God. The reason Jude addresses those who are uh, uh, call themselves Christian but then says they're not full of the spirit is because the church needs a fresh impartation of the spirit of God every single day we leak the spirit drains out or we lose it but we can have a fresh infilling every single day of our life if you'll seek the Lord if you'll hunger for God if you'll thirst for God he says you shall be filled oh we need a fresh inpouring of his spirit you need it for your marriage. You need it for your parenting. You need it for your children. You need it for your church. Spiritless Christians are a social club. Let me tell you what Calvary is not. Well, let me tell you what Calvary will not be. We will not be a social club. What we will not be are tickle your ears and make you feel good so you'll give a bigger offering. Can I tell you right now, these kinds of sermons do not, we don't see giving go like this. Well, if, it's just because God does, but not the sermon alone. We're not going to be. This church 
If we're gonna have revival, we must not be. A pat each other on the back. Good old boy system. Now, I'm not talking about being in each other's faces. Don't do that. What I'm talking about is loving each other so much that not only do I walk the walk, but when I mess up, somebody has the right to come and in love address that. Not just me. Listen, don't everybody line up outside my door this week. <laughs> go, go to each other. Better yet, be open to hear the word of the Lord. And, and can I tell you something? Long before somebody comes to me, God's already convicted me. God's not gonna send you to tell somebody. And, God, and let me tell you what God won't do. God won't send somebody to tell you something that somebody else did. That's called gossip. <laughs> Hello? Hello? The Bible says if you got out against your brother, you go to who? Who? Go to your brother. If you got out against your, if there's something going on, you go to them in love. Then the Bible says this, if that doesn't work, then you go to a spiritual authority that God sets up in his church and in love, the two of you go back together and address this. And then if that doesn't work, and only then, you still don't have the right to gossip. Hello? Well, you know, I went and I talked to them and they didn't change and they didn't apologize. And then I took the pastor and he still wouldn't apologize. Well, now I'm just telling you, you gotta avoid that person. They're just not of God. And that person, that's a bad, bad, bad spirit in the church. Don't do that, that's evil. Then the Bible says, with the authority that God has placed, if it's appropriate, then you take it to the whole body. But you never, individually, I never, get to just make some public announcement or even get bent out of shape over this. I get to do what? Pray about it. Amen. Pastor, why are you preaching this way? Because I want revival. Because I want revival in what I see and what Jude addresses in this text. You read it for yourself. In fact, we're going to preach this for the next couple of weeks, except for the week that Pastor Terry's here. What we're going to preach about is this contending for the faith. I'm ready to fight for it, Pastor Rich. I am so ready to fight for it. I'm not willing to back down. I know you have a hunger for revival. I know you're desperate for it. He's experienced it. I've experienced it. Many of you have experienced it in this house. But listen, I'm not talking about a momentary six weeks, six months, six year move. I'm talking about an end time revival that shakes the nations, that turns the world upside down and ushers in the very return of Jesus Christ. And there's no room for gossip in the church if we're gonna have that kind of revival. And there's no room for little insignificant arguments in the church if we're gonna have that kind of revival. And there's no room for compromise in the church if we're gonna have that kind of revival. And there's no room for the junk we watch on TV if we're gonna have that kind of revival. Can I get a witness in this room? And there's no room. There's no room in our marriages for evil, deception, and lack of affection in your home, in your marriage, if you want that kind of revival. It's time for the church to be the church. It starts in your home. It starts in your marriage. If you've got a struggle in your life and you can't keep your eyes where they need to be or you can't keep your heart on the one that God gave you, then it's time to get it right with God. It's time to repent in an altar, to pray God to forgive you and to cleanse you and to repent to your spouse and to start living a life that is holy and separated and yielded to Jesus Christ. We can't have corporate revival if we don't have family revival. Hello? All right, it's 11.59. I need, I need revival. If you need revival, would you wave at me? Just if you need it. I'm not talking about if you want to feel good next Sunday when you go. If you need revival, would you wave at me? I need it. I need revival. Not just because Greg just is in the mood for it right now, but I'm desperate. There's, some, there's, a, there's a void that cannot be filled with anything other than more of God. I believe, I believe this church was put here, not just this church, I believe every Bible-believing church in America was put there, but I'm talking about this church because I'm, I'm called to pastor this church. I believe this church was put right here 
at Nightbox and Blanding on this little incline to be a light to a city that's dying and going to hell. I believe God put it here, not to have a trickling of people over here and some over here and some over here, but I pray, I've prayed for five years. Last week or two weeks ago was our five-year anniversary here. I have prayed every week for five years. God, fill this building every weekend multiple times for your glory. Fill it. I pray it. I walk around this, I walk around this, this sanctuary multiple times throughout a week. And I pray, God, fill this house with your glory and fill this house with people that are hungry for it. Multiple times. But I cannot be hungry for you. I cannot contend for the faith for you. Only you can do that. And it will not happen if we will not have humble hearts to repent. It started last week. I said, God, do whatever you want to do today. But this message was burning so strong on my spirit. In fact, I'll just tell you, I said it last week when there was all the electricity stuff that God wanted to do something and that was just a, a, a distraction. I can tell you something. I thought for about 30 minutes before I preached today, I was gonna have to go to the ER instead of preach. I really did. I leaned over to my, I, I left there. I, said, I told the, the, the team that was over at Middleburg, I said, y'all pray for me. I'm not, I just feel really, really bad right now. I walked in here, I stood, told Bev, I said, Bev, I don't know if you pray that I can preach because I, I don't feel good right now. But every time that happens on a Sunday morning right before I preach, I know that God's trying to say something to his church. The enemy don't like it. The enemy don't want it. But I'm willing to contend for the faith because I, I, I just, I just, I'm saying this as a testimony. I need you to know it was so, it was so, because you can ask Bev, I do not complain. I will do just about anything before I go to the hospital. I'll take somebody else's prescription to see if it helps me before I go to the hospital. <laughs> I think that's illegal, but I'm just telling you. I don't like going to the hospital. I resist it with everything inside of me. I have to feel really, really bad for me to even utter the words, you may have to take me to the ER. I don't like it. But that's where I was at right before I preached. I feel pretty great right now. I need you to know something. I believe in the power of prayer, but I also believe in spiritual attacks. God's doing something. I, I just tell him, I'm just, I'm just being a, a word from God right now, a prophetic word from, God is doing something in his church. I've had three pastors, two pastors this morning text me and say, God is doing something in the church. We wanna be a part of it. Get ready, get ready. Pastor Greg, I'm praying for you today. It's not just here, it's all around the world. God's doing something. Calvary, if we're gonna be a part of it, we've gotta to die to our flesh. We gotta give up some things that we kinda of hold as sacred cows and think that, well, you know, that's just me, it's just who I am, it's just the way I've always been. No, it's not. It's time to die so that we can live. It's time to contend for the faith, to fight this fight, to do whatever it takes. Listen, the fighting that we're gonna do by faith is not gonna look like the fight in this world. It's not gonna be bickering and gossip and mad and angry and throwing punches and, and like that. By the way, I threw a punch at my son this week and he broke my finger. We were play fighting. Now, my wife's gonna fuss at me. She's gonna say, now they're gonna think you hit your son. I never have hit my son. I was walking and I just was gonna act like I was gonna punch him. I wasn't even going fast. I was just going like that. I was gonna punch him. And he threw his knee up as fast as he could and he broke my pinky. There's a, there's, that was all really cool when he was about six and this tall, but now he's 18 and this tall. I told him I was gonna tell, tell on him. My point is this, I'm not talking about that kind of fighting. I'm talking about a fight for faith. I'm talking about standing on the very thing that's being attacked. I'm talking about rising up church and with a loud voice of adoration to God, and an I'm talking about a, a surrendered obedience to his word, declaring the very truth of the word of God. Stand together with me all across the sanctuary. I'm talking about contending for faith this morning. It's time to contend.
the first step in this contention is repentance. And it would be really easy for me right now, play very softly for just a moment. It would be very easy for me right now to just say everybody close their eyes and bow their heads. And if you wanna ask Christ into your heart, raise your hand. I'm not gonna do that today. I like doing that, it's powerful. I'm talking to everybody right now, believers and unbelievers alike. I'm getting ready to call you to something, an action. I believe there's power in action. There's not power, there's, there's less power. Let me say it this way, there's less power in those little internal, that was so good, I just needed that. Yes, Lord. Amen, I'm going home now to eat my pot roast. I'm calling you under the unction of God's spirit. I'm calling this house to repentance. I'm not asking for our prayer team to come forward and pray with you. I'm not asking anyone to do anything other than to respond to what God, I believe God is saying. And I'm asking you in just a moment to move out of your seat and to make an altar. If you are willing and ready to contend for the faith, I'm talking about fight. To stand on the very thing that's being assaulted, the church the kingdom of God, our faith, then there is something every one of us needs to do. And that is to surrender afresh and anew our lives to Jesus Christ. It's like re-upping in the military. It's like saying, yeah, I'll do, I'll serve again. I'm not done. So I'm calling out to those today that do not serve Jesus to sign up for the first time, to say, I'm in, I wanna serve God, I'm asking Christ to come into my heart, but I'm also talking to every Christian and Bible-believing person in this room. There is something in your life, there are many things in all of our lives that need to be surrendered at an altar this morning if we want this kind of revival, if we're really wanting to contend for the faith. God is speaking to some of you, he's talking about to you, not, not to, it's, not, it's individual. It's corporate to all of us, but it is individually unique. Some of you, he's talking about hidden sin in your life. Others, he's talking about your love of things over your love of God. Others, he's talking about a marriage that you know you haven't been given your full heart to. Others, he's talking about distractions in the business world. To others, it may be something within the church, conversations you've had that weren't holy. To others, it may be a lack of attendance to the things of God serving in the body. I don't know, I'm just sharing what God's putting on my heart this morning. I believe there's a place for surrender this morning and repentance. When they begin to sing, I'm asking you to make your way and to find a place. You can kneel, you can stand, but let's turn this house into a house of prayer. Let's bow, I'm talking about fighting this fight of faith. It's not easy. Can I close with one Bible story I was just reading? I don't know the specifics because it, it just doesn't come into me right this moment, but it was in the Old Testament. It's in, I think, Leviticus or Numbers. And Moses, is being challenged by God because all of the people are turning against, they're murmuring and complaining yet again. And God, his anger is turned and just, he's ready to destroy them. And Moses goes to God in prayer. God, please don't destroy them, please. And it's one of, I don't think it's Caleb or Joshua, but it's one of the guys. And he rises up and he runs to fight this fight. He doesn't wait because he knows God's gonna destroy the camp if he doesn't do something. And so he runs to get the incense oil. He knows, he knows if he doesn't do it quick, everybody will die. In fact, you read the story and many do die, thousands but they would have all died 
if somebody hadn't been willing to fight. Moses was fighting on his knees, but this man rises up and God says he is pleased. It's, it's, it's Aaron's son. Uh, help me with his name, somebody. I don't even know. What? No. I don't think it's Ephraim. Anyways, he rises up. It'll come to me. Eli, it's not Eleazar, is it? Anyway, it'll come to me in a minute. He, rises, he runs, he grabs the incense, and it begins to burn. And as it, as it rises before God, people begin to repent. And their lives, is, their lives are spared. This is what God is saying to us. If we linger too long without action, not only will we spiritually die, but this will pass us by. But if you will fight, no matter how inconvenient it may feel, and no matter how much pride you have to kill to walk an altar, or walk an aisle and bow an altar, it will spare the lives of many. Your fight will save many. Your fight will save many. Thank you.